because of your love, because of your cross, my debt is paid. Because of your blood, my sins are washed away. Now all of my life, I freely give because of your Okay, let me get serious. Look in verse uh, 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? Now, I want to ask you to do something. This is a participation message. Look at yourself. Say, good morning, self. Say, you are the temple of the living God. The Spirit of God lives in you. You know, it's not always good to look at yourself, especially too long. Because you can become depressed by looking at yourself. You spend too much time in front of the mirror, you can get depressed. And you don't want to spend all the day looking at others. Because then you get oppressed. Because either you feel like you can't live up to that, what they're doing, or, or you just see the awe that's going on in the world. So you look up and you get greatly impressed, right? We look to Him. Then you'll be more than impressed. But it's good to remind ourselves, we are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then in verse 17, it says, if anyone destroys the temple. That's why we have to take care of the body. You destroy the temple, God's going to destroy you. That's what it says. Is that what it says? So, you know, sometimes we live, we treat our bodies, you know, any way we want to. And then, okay, God, come and heal me quickly. Well, you remember, you just did all this stuff to destroy your temple. You know, there is something to bodily exercise prophets, what? A little. Remember the scripture in that. So anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. But look back in verse 12. This was the scripture that my friend sent me. It says, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and straw. You know, the first three, when fire is applied, there's refining that takes place. The last three, what happens when fire is applied? It's burned up. All right, so each one's work, verse 13, will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. That was the phrase, yet as through fire. I saw where even the Washington Post... Is that the real liberal one? I don't know. One of them, yeah, they're all liberal. But anyway, that one, they, they, they had an, a, a headline that said, as the cathedral is on fire, so the church is burning. The ch something like that. I thought that was a prophetic word. Because there are some prophetic parallels with what happened with that Notre Dame fire. First of all, God sends the fire to test every man's work of what sort it is. You know you're going to go through fire. Eventually, the whole earth is going to go through a major fire. But the church is going to go through fire. The wood, the hay, and the stubble is going to be burned up. If your life is built on stubble, then you're going to get in on the fire. If you are part of the, 
the sil- you know, the precious stone, the gold, silver, there's going to be only be refining. How many of you would rather, rather be refined? And that's going to happen with the refiner's fire as part of the Christian life. We all know that too well, don't we? So fire is a test. It reveals whether our works are of us or of God. Remember Jesus said, I came to send fire on the earth. Well, you remember what he said after that? And how I wish it were already kindled. So fire is not necessarily a bad thing. You can't avoid it. So fire is a test. The second thing I saw with the brave priest, he was a chaplain. He created a human chain to get some of the things out of the, the cathedral. Which tells me you're going to need one another. The human chain. You're going to have to be connected. Listen, if you show up just today and we never see you again, you're not very well connected. you got to get connected somewhere. You don't have to get connected here. You only go where God directs your ways. Because you only want to be with the family God's called you to be a part of. Not everybody wants to hear the, you know, some of the things that we've got to talk about. Because we're going we're gonna to be prepared. We're going to be people of faith. We're not going to fall away. If you go to this church and fall away, I'm... We're going to come after you when it's all said and done. Okay, you know what I mean? Because you're not supposed to fall away from the faith. There's going to be a great falling away. How many of you know that? You come here and fall away, you're in trouble. Because we're not going to let it happen, and we're going to try our best. But you've got to be connected. Then another thing, according to reports, the priest saved something out of the fire. Do you remember what it was? Did you read? The Catholics call it the, the blessed sacrament, the body of Christ. Saved at as yet through fire. The body. Do you know the church, the real church is going to survive whatever happens? How many of you know that? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That's what he said. Not going to happen. The gates of hell will not prevail. So what if you're not really a part of the real church? The gates of hell will prevail. Everybody know that's going to be. So you want to make sure you're a part of the body of Christ. And then another thing I read where they saved the crown of thorns. Some guy said it's the same crown of thorns Jesus wore. I don't know if I believe that or not. Because how do they know that? Some people claim things. It's not true. But I do know it speaks of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the next thing, but I know this was true. I saw this lighted cross. The, the cathedral's burned and the cross is lit and unburned, unmatched. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because I believe God is drawing the attention of the world... Back to the cross. Remember, it's been over a year ago. Shirley and I, I told some of you, but most of you weren't here a year ago. We got a whole new family. God has brought a lot of people in for such a time as this. He's been marking you for the days that which we're living in, and you all have a role in what God's going to do, and, and we're expecting and we're excited and all that. But I, it was over a year ago. We went to the Cove in Asheville. It's the Billy Graham Training Center. And Gigi was introducing or actually, you know, greeting all the pastors. Some of you remember this. So most of you don't, so I get to tell it again. So she's greeting all the pastors. Now, Gigi is Billy, one of Billy Graham's daughters. And this is before he died. And she said, well, I just came back from seeing Daddy. And she went into the house, and she spent a few hours there, and he never lifted his head. He just, his head was on his, on his chest like that, and she would say, Daddy, Daddy, how you doing today? Daddy. I'm here, I'm Gigi, how are you? And he never said anything. And then she got ready, she, goodbye daddy, I've, I've got to go now. 
So she starts to walk out the door. Billy Graham lifts up his head, looks at her and says, GG, stay focused on the cross. And then he put his head back down like that. And I'm telling you, if that wasn't a word from the Lord. I don't know. He probably said a lot after that. I don't know how much he said after that. But that was maybe one of the most important things that he ever said. Let's pray. And then I want to do this little slideshow and speak on the cross and then just pray the Spirit of God touch people this morning. That's really what's most important more than anything. We need God to touch people. That's why I came. I'm not here just to perform. I I don't want anything to do with any of that. You know, man, I just want to encounter Jesus. I know what my role is. I want to be faithful. But we all have roles. There's only one head. His name is Jesus. And uh, we are all apart. So, Lord, I just thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the worship, God, our worship team. And Lord, I thank you for every person that you brought here this morning, God. I know you've, I'm often reminded no one is here by accident. We're not stumbling around through life. You said the steps of a good man or woman are ordered of the Lord. And though we fall, we don't, we're not cast down. You uphold us with your hand. Lord, I pray today that everyone in this room, everyone watching by web stream, Lord, that you would touch them. Lord, I pray you would make yourself known. I pray that there would be a big God that would enter in to their situation. And Lord, whatever's going on, I know it's not impossible, that it is possible. And I ask God for your manifest presence. And I thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for miracles, healings, signs and wonders. Lord, If we're going to live in this hour, we got to see all that you are. Not just what they told us you are. We must see the living God in this generation. And so we thank you we are going to get to see, Lord, that your word is real. Your word is true. Not one thing you said is going to fall short or fall empty. So we thank you for today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If I were to ask you what was your most memorable, maybe the most important event of your life. Something that happened that you, you remember, a place you visited, something you did. You know, there'd be many different uh, responses. Now, most of us would say it's the day I met Jesus. That's where it begins. But I mean beyond that. When I was a nine-year-old boy, I, you know, knelt down and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I didn't know a whole lot. I just, asked, I just knew I needed him. And I, I asked him, you know what? It worked. How many of you know it worked when you're young? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It worked. He came in. And that's not that we lived exactly perfect, holy lives from then on. I was still a little boy growing up. I needed a few spankings. No, I needed a lot of spankings. And I thank God I lived in a day they gave spankings. Thank God I did. Thank God for my dad. Well, I wasn't so thankful some of the times you know, going through them, but but I'm thankful now. And then, you know, for me personally, 10 years after that, when I knelt down not too far from here over in the mountains and surrendered to preach, and I've shared that many times where I opened my Bible and I just got down and I surrendered to preach the gospel. And uh, But most of us would remember our marriage. That would be the most important day. Some some would say, now, that wasn't really my most important day, you know, because I didn't know what was going to happen after. But anyway, you know, we won't go there. 
You know, but then the birth of a first child, that's a memorial, you know, event. How many of you are like me? When you looked into your son or your daughter's eyes for the first time, it's just like the, you, you got a father or a mother's heart. You, didn't, you heard what people said it was like, and then when you saw, it's like God deposited something. And uh, many of us could that. I'm sure Tiger Woods, you know, would say last weekend was probably a great event in his life because he, what, 11, 12 years, he was at the lowest personal failure, you know, many struggles, surgery. He ends up winning the Masters, one of the greatest comebacks in sports history. Last week, we were in Pennsylvania. We saw for a few days, and we saw a picture of Shirley's mom. And uh, she had, she was sitting in a, a wheelchair before she died, and she had a trophy belonging to the basketball team of her father in the 1930s. He was a part of a basketball team in the state of Michigan. They won the Michigan State High School Championship. You know, I bet that was a, something he remembered all his life, you know, that trophy. I remember... As a ninth grader, when Louisiana, you know the movie Remember the Titans? They could have said, Remember the Lumberjacks, because it was exactly what happened in, in my city in Louisiana. You know, they integrated the schools, there were riots, you know, fights, and they canceled classes, and there were police and riot gear on our campus. All kinds of stuff was going on. But at that time, the, the football team, the blacks and the whites, came together. And we won the 4A Louisiana State Championship. Just like Remember the Titans, same thing. All the same music was going on just like in that movie and everything. They could have written that about us. And sometimes I've wondered, maybe they really write it about us. They're just using this town in Virginia, but I don't know. It probably, probably meant there too. And, you know, on a world stage, some would say, remember. Well, you don't remember. Some of you do. I don't remember. But when Franklin Delano Roosevelt... After, you know, you know, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. This is a day that will live in what? What do you say? Infamy. I don't even know what infamy means. No, I do know. It means the horror that uh, would never be forgotten. And then cities, cities have their fame to claim. I've shared that Philippi, West Virginia, where Shirley and I met, their fame to claim is they were the site of the first land battle of the Civil War. I was thinking about that this week after watching Rick again. I, he'd already shared this stuff with us, but watching him on Sid Roth and the things that God has shown him that's coming. And I met Shirley in the city where the site of the first land battle of the Civil War. You know where I met Rick Joyner? On the battlefield in Gettysburg where the, the, the battle changed everything. What was it? The, the turning point of the Civil War. And I was asking God, I'm just being honest, you know, I'm just like you. We're asking God all these things. God, did that, maybe could that have been prophetic, you know, all of this in the days in which we're living? And it could be. We're going to find that God directed our ways a lot more than we were about following our ways or finding our way. You try to find your way, you probably won't. But if you follow him, if you make him your way, you're going to end up going the right way. You know, how many of you know that? We do it our own you might make it, you might not. You do it his way, you will make it. And then, of course, America, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And there are many events. So this is the first slide. We want to boast in the cross. In fact, if you look at that little deal that I wrote under it, if you can read it, the single most important impactful event in all of history. It's none of those things I said. Nothing even comes close to matching the importance 
The cross and the resurrection is the main event in all of history. The main event. It's it. It's what we should focus on. It's what we should give our attention to. And uh, something we want to look at today. And so we're going to go. Go ahead to the next one. Paul in Galatians. There were those who were trying to get him to go back into Judaism, into keeping of the law and legalism. He wasn't going to boast in any of that. And then there's another scripture later on in Ephesians. He said, you know, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So he wasn't going to boast in his legalism. He wasn't going to boast in his own ability to save himself. This is what he said in Galatians. God forbid that I should boast basically in anything except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is with us. We're not going to be able to boast that we had it all together or we did it right. We can boast in the fact that he died on the cross and that he rose from the dead. And this is something we can put our hope in and we can believe in. And um, now I'm not going to go into uh, a lot of detail this morning, but go ahead to that next slide. Rick has been writing, you know, in the coming, I'm just, the title is The Coming Civil War. That's why it's important to be connected and be in the right place at the right time. You say, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. All you got to do is turn the TV on. I mean, there's a, there are folks in this country, they're not going to settle for any other answer than total victory on their part. And they're not going to give up. Their goal is captivity of the nation. It's not anyway. You can see that most of us were on the same page. Most of us, some people don't know what's going on. You wonder. You just know something's wrong. Well, we're focusing on what's right. This is it. But anyway, here's what Rick said. You know, we're thinking so many Americans have thrown away the Constitution. The millennials don't even know if it really matters. You know, they've been taught in the universities that it's a dying document. No, they say it's living. It can be changed. Men can change it. No, it's either a constitution or it's not. But we're, you know, looked at as, you know, you're old and they want to change it all. But you know why it could be changing? You know why people are, maybe in America we don't honor the constitution. It could be because of this. Rick said, we can see the American Republic's failure to adhere to the Constitution as a reflection of how the church failed to adhere to the supreme authority to the Scriptures. And that's been happening. We've lowered the standard. No, we're going to raise the standard. The standard is the Word of God. It's not the Word of man, the Word of a woman. It's thus saith the Lord. It's not even our feelings. How many of you know it's not how we feel? It's what God said. And so we want to stand on that. Okay, go to the next slide. Nine words that define the cross. We're going to go fast because some of this I know that, you know, you know of these things. Some of these words you may have never heard of. That's why we're going over them. We've got to be rooted and grounded in truth. We've got to have a reason for why we say we believe. People say, okay, what's so special about, you know, your Easter, your resurrection Sunday? Why are you doing this? Number one, let's go to number one, the first word that identifies with the cross is obvious. This is the one that's obvious, is the crucifixion. Paul said, I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He had a conscious effort that every other subject was minor. The cross was the major. You ever heard somebody say, you got to keep the main thing the main thing? 
If you keep the cross as the main thing in your life, the cross, the fact that he died for you and that you're to take up your cross daily and follow him, you'll be on the main thing. That's the main thing. He said the message of the cross is what? Foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I saw where they, I don't know if it's out now, but they're making a movie about the life of Jesus. But I don't know if I'm going to go see this one like I did go see. I went to see, Unplanned was amazing. And we went to see that movie Breakthrough with the little boy that fell through the ice and his mom wouldn't give up. He died 45 minutes dead. Anyway, she wouldn't give up. And in my, you know what happened? He was raised from the dead. You, you go to see that movie. It's a good movie. And we should encourage people. But this one, whatever the name is they're talking about, I'm not going to see because the main actor that's playing Jesus refused to, to get in on the part where Jesus, you know, put the mud on the guy's eyes and he was healed. He refused that scene. He said, I'm not going to, he said, that's nonsense. Nobody would put mud on somebody's eye. I don't want anything to do with it. I, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't I'm not, whatever. So they must have skipped that scene. But you know that to the world and in Paul's day, and many today, they look at the fact that God would send us his son to die so that people could be saved. That sounds foolish, but it is the truth. Now, the cross is a symbol. It's not just something we wear around our necks. It's a symbol of capital punishment, torture, humiliation, execution, death, cruelty, ridicule. That's what it was. It was a symbol of all of that. But it's the only way that men are going to get reconnected with God is through the cross, right? It's through the cross. All right, go to the next one. So you know that word. Well, there's a picture of, you know, the crucifixion. Okay, the next one. Is, now, this is one you may have not heard of. Some, most of you guys have been around for a while. You've heard of it. Propitiation. Does this sound new to you, some of you? Propitiation. How many of you heard of that word? I see a bunch of folks you never heard it. Now, you don't have to remember it. You're not gonna, we're not going to give you a test. You just need to know what it means. Propitiation. Hear the scripture. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Wait a minute. Anybody got an eraser? We can see if we can. Is that, does that mean what it says? I'm writing to you these things so that you may not sin. So what does that tell us? You can overcome sin. The cross took away the penalty. Also broke the power of sin over our lives. But you got to be like David. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. These things I've written to you that you may not sin. Not this thing that lies, that sits on your shelf that's collecting dust. That's not going to work, right? These things I've written to you, you've applied them in your heart that you may not sin. If anyone sins, thank God for the rest of this verse. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the what? Propitiation. There it is. It's in the Bible for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, what does that word propitiation mean? Well, it means also mercy seat, but it also speaks of the wrath that is due, the turning away of the wrath. Someone received the wrath. Look over in Romans real quick. Romans chapter 3. This I don't, I don't have on the screen, but I just want to look at this. 
Why are we going over this? It's important. We've got to know what we believe. We've got to be ready to tell people why we believe, what we believe. Romans chapter 3. Now, before we read this, why are people acting the way they're acting today? Why is the world, why are they, why is sin going on like it is? Why has it reached a peak? Well, it's just because what he said is going to happen. No, so chapter 3, verse 1 through 8 He defends the judgment of God. Verse 4, that you may be justified by your words and may overcome when you are judged. Now, the only way is through the blood of Jesus. And so he goes on. And then in verse 9 through verse 18 or so, he just reemphasizes how we've all sinned. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that understands. Verse 12, they've all turned aside. None does good. No, not one. Now, this is going on in our day. Verse 13, their throat is an open tomb, and with their tongues they practice deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, and their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. They've not known the way of peace. There's no fear of God. And so this is the normal state of the unbeliever. Before Christ, this is the normal state, right? And so people in the world living like the world is normal. Say it's normal. But it's not normal for us. But look in verse 19. Paul wanted them to know there's going to be an answer. There's, you're going to have to give an account. If you've chosen this way to live, it says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Guilty before God. I don't know about you, but I'm praying for justice right now in our nation. Those that have broken the laws, broke, they've disallowed the Constitution and broken the laws of the land. They must face justice. If they don't, according to Isaiah, they're going to spread more justice, injustice in the land. And the people will suffer. That's why you have to have justice. I read, you know, you know the story about the actor in Chicago. Somebody's from Chicago. The DA just said, okay, you're free. Well, he may be free now from the DA's wrath. He will stand before God one day and give an account unless God intervenes. And that's our prayer, that he would intervene. But every mouth must be stopped. You're not guilty unless he makes you not guilty. Look at the next, next verse. I think there it is. Propitiation means guilty. Say guilty. It means you're as guilty as guilty can be. And it means you're not going to get out of it. You're not going to run to some DA on the way after your death and run to a DA and say, look, district attorney, I need to get off of this. I need, I need forgiveness. How many of you know it's too late? It's too late. You're guilty unless Jesus becomes the propitiation. He's the mercy seat. He received the guilt, the defilement that comes from sin. Okay, the next slide. All right, Justification. This is one of my favorite. Now, don't, don't fall asleep. Stay with me. Pay attention. I know some of these words, some of you are saying, I've heard this all my life. You need to hear it again. We need to be reminded, reminded, especially this one. Justification. Therefore, having been justified by what? By faith. Not our own effort. By faith in the shed blood of Jesus. We have peace with God. Why do we need peace with God? Why do people in America, why does that guy in Chicago that got out of that rap, why does he need peace with God? Because he's an enemy with God. That's what the scripture says. 
Everyone outside of Christ are enemies of God because of sin. That's why the wrath of God had to be directed towards sin. But therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Say we stand. You're going to have to stand in this hour. Can I just tell you, you're going to have to stand. You're going to, and the only way you'll stand is you know who's standing with you, beside you and in you, and you're standing on the Word of God, the eternal Word of God. You're going to have to stand. Faith is going to be, real faith is going to be made known in this hour. Those who had a pretend faith will become known as well. You've got to have the real thing. You've got to have it, the real thing, which we stand goes on, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, you didn't have to clean your act up first, did you? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by what? His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Go to the next slide. Justified, defined, here's what it means. How many of you know what it means? You can read it. This is a great definition. Just as if, You've never sinned. How good is that? Can you believe that? That's got to be too good to be true. You mean I can live like the devil? I can, you know, live like the world, you know. And then repent, go to Christ in true repentance. Turn my life over to him and be forgiven. You know, the movie Unplanned, remember the scene where Abby Johnson, you know, toward the end, she's crying out. And she's saying, oh, you know, I've aborted two of my babies. Can God forgive me? And she didn't know for sure. God, can, how could he forgive me? Did he forgive her? Can God forgive? Absolutely. Just as if you've never sinned. When you come to Jesus, that, now that's almost too good to be true. Look, go to the next slide. Here's what happens in justification. You get out of hell free card. Free. You don't have to go there. You're justified. Man, justified, just as if you'd never sinned. I like that one. I had a friend that, you know, how, just, how does justified work? Well, you have to confess your sin. Confess. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just. What does confession mean? Admit. It means to call sin, sin. And that you're the sinner. I've shared this before, but I had a friend. He was a, a carpet cleaner. And uh, he was, you know, cleaning the carpet in this room. And the guy, the owner, wasn't going to pay him. I can't pay you. I said, why? Well, I want to show you. So he took him over. He moved a piano. And around the side along the wall, there was some dirt. He said, what is that? And then the owner took my friend and said, now, what is that? He said, oh, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I didn't know it was there. I didn't do it. I didn't put it there. The owner said, I didn't ask you any of those questions. I know you didn't do it. I know. I, well, what is it? He said, it's dirt. He said, well, good. Now that you've admitted what it is, clean it up and I'll pay you. You can go home. You got to just admit. What is this? You don't explain it away. You don't blame somebody else. Say this, according to the word, is sin. It's sin, God. I acknowledge it. I confess it before you. And now by faith, I turn from it. And God gives you the help to turn from it. You can't do it on your own. You come to him. He gives you the power to turn from it. 
But you call sin, sin. Now in America, they don't want to do that anymore. So guess what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to shout a little louder. This is sin. How do you know? Because you said it's sin? No. God said it's sin. This is what God said is sin. But you don't stop there. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life. So the next slide is the next word, reconciliation. Most of you have heard of that. And the scripture is, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Remember the guilty, saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. Go to the next, next slide. Reconciliation. I'm going to tell you what it means in a moment. But first of all, how many of you would like a ministry? You want to know what your ministry is. Let's put it that way. Your ministry. I'm going to tell you what your ministry is. Because everybody in here that knows Jesus, you have a ministry. You've been given a word, a message. Here it is. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us. Say me. He's given to me. Say it a little bit louder. He's given to me. The ministry of reconciliation. What is that about? That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm an ambassador. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And so it's reconciliation. Reconciliation means to settle a difference, to be restored in our relationship, brought back into alignment and to agreement with God. I mean, if you know that, reconciliation. Man, I've got to be reconciled. You, now, many people, we're at odds. Now, in the South, we didn't do this. Maybe they did. But I've been to a few funerals up in the north. Anyway, yeah, I can tell it because they're not here. They're... Anyway, one side of the family sat on the one side of the funeral home, and another side of the family sat on the other side. And they didn't cross. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I said, this death should have brought you together. You should be reconciled here. What are you at odds? You're going to carry that separation to your grave you're going to be the next one lying up here i should have said that i didn't but i was thinking it you guys won't even talk to one another listen if you're if you're at odds with somebody make it right be reconciled go and repent confess take the low road if you have to don't carry bitterness unforgiveness to the grave it will not be a good thing if you do Forgive one. But let's go to the next phrase. This is what reconciliation means. It means to. Uh, it means to. Uh, there it is. It means to uh, put your arms around and be reconciled with one another. All right. You're not at odds. That's why one of the tests. You know why it's another reason it's good to go to church, because you run raw up against people. Iron sharpens iron. It's for your sake, so you'll know how to love one another. The whole thing about Bob Jones was, did you learn how to love? So they'll, ask, they'll be asked that question, you know, along the way. So you have to rub up against people. You're not always going to agree about things. 
You might even have a fight. You might. Me and Thomas might get into a fight. I'll knock you out, Thomas. I, you know, but anyway, you've got to make it up. The fight's not going to mess you up. It's what you do after the fight. Get up. Repent. Be restored. Be reconciled. Be reconciled. Amen. All right, go to the next one. We're, we're winding down. You guys, it's almost, I smell turkey or something. I don't know. But. Redemption. Say redemption. Now, that one you've heard of, obviously. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out in the city, not forsaken. That's the redeemed. Sought out. Say, I'm sought out. That's why you're here this morning. That's why you even have any desire for God because he sought you out. You think you chose him. That's not the way it happened. God chose you even while you were still sinners. And then it says, these are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the lamb. The next one. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We used to sing a song back in the old day. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You should say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. Can I prophesy? Now, we got a pretty good crowd in here this morning. I'm prophesying there's going to be a day you're not going to be able to get a seed in this place. We're going to have to add people. They're going to come from the north. They're going to come from the south. They're going to come from the east. They're going to come from the west to be redeemed. They're salt. They're being called to him to be restored, to be redeemed. Amen. Now, let's look at the picture. Here's what it means to be redeemed. Somebody paid the price. They paid the way. I saw a scripture this morning over in Psalm 49. For the redemption of their souls is costly. It cost him everything. They bought it back. God bought you back. You were sold into slavery, sin. And Jesus came, paid him. He was the price that was paid. Now you know this. Go to the next slide. Salvation. Say salvation. Now that's obvious. We're on to six. We got just a couple more. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Can I get, let you in on a little heads up? That's going to become increasingly unpopular in our day. Increasingly. Some of you might even lose your life for believing that. Because most folks are being taught today there are many ways. There are not many ways. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man, no man comes to the Father except that he comes by me. He was the sacrifice. There is no other name. And we're going to have to stand on that. We're going to have to believe it. You know, in this thing called Christianity, you don't get to make the rules. There are people making up the rules as they go. I, th this is my rule. I set the rules. I'm going by my own feelings or whatever. You don't make the own rules. The rule book is here. It's not a rule book. It's actually his word written in our life, written in our heart. Okay, the next one, you know the word. Here's Now, this is cool. This is a picture. Did you all see where this little puppy fell off? Well, not that little, but he still he's a little puppy. Fell off of the boat in some, where was he, Indonesia? He fell off the boat. 130 miles out from land, swam all the way to this oil rig. And the worker said they would have never seen the puppy 
if it was choppy, but it was calm that day. And so guess what? The workers were able to lift the puppy out of the water, 130 miles. I mean, that's amazing. That puppy was saved, saved out of the sea of, of, of the water. And that's what happens with Jesus, right? He saved us. All of us were drowning. All of us, the whole world, mankind, all of America is drowning right now. But God has sent His Son to lift us up out of that. And then the next slide, just a couple more. Sanctification, referring to the saints. The elect, He calls them the elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and, and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Then He said, Behold, I've come to do Your will, O God. He takes away the first that He may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Go to the next one. Just a couple more scriptures. For by one offering He has perfected forever those, now this is important, who are being sanctified. How many of you are glad God's not finished with you? This salvation, we were only born again. We entered into salvation, but we, there's a process of being sanctified who are being sanctified. But look at the next promise. For both he who sanctifies, back it up, he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. One with him. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them, what? Brethren. So that means if you mess up in the process of this sanctification, is he just going to cut you off, disqualify you? He's not ashamed to call you his brother. He that sanctifies, those who are being sanctified are both one. Thank God for sanctification. we got to know what that means. Yes, it means purification, the state of purity, to live pure. But God is the one that does. He cleans us up as we come to him. Our part is to take up the cross daily, follow him. His part is to do this. The next slide is to put on, to slip on the robes sanctified, washed, sanctified, made holy. I don't know if that's what it's going to be like when we get to heaven or not. I'm just telling you it's going to be more glorious than we could ever imagine. It's going to be more, way more glorious. In fact, I think he's already put those, he's putting us on right and he's fitting us in those robes. If that scripture that we read is true and it is. Thank God. All right, the next slide. Glorification. Glorification. This is good. And we know that all things work together for good. Why are they working together for good? First of all, who are they working together good for? Those that are called of God and they love God. All right. To those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called. Whom he called, these he also glorified, justified. And whom he justified, he also what? He glorified. That's the last step along the journey. Glorified. What is that talking about? It means to become radiant. How can we become radiant? If we are in his image, we're going to walk in a radiance. You cannot but walk in the image of Jesus. You start walking like Jesus, folks are going to think you're shining. Something's going to be different about you. Go to the next one. There it is right there. I'm telling you, what is that scripture? The glory of the Lord. Darkness will cover the earth. How many of you know it's happening? Deep darkness the people. If you don't think it's dark, hang on. It's going to get darker. That's why you got to know the word. you got to be strong in the faith. 
You got to be resolved. I am an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not going to fall away. I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed. You got to be devoted, committed, persuaded in this hour. But glorified, glorified because of the image of the Son of the living God. We're going to look like Jesus. Darkness will cover the earth, but the glory of the Lord will arise upon you. Man, this isn't in God's plan. What's going to draw people out of darkness? I don't know if we're going to literally shine like light bulbs or not. I've heard all kinds of teachings about that. I don't know. Some teachings, I don't know what they mean. All I know is what he shows me in this revelation, and I'm walking in myself. You can't preach what you're not walking in, you know what I mean? But I, and I don't know this fully. What does it mean to be glorified? I just know I'm on the road to glorification. And it says not only was I justified, I was glorified. I believe it. And God's going to work it out in me because his word said it. And then, and that's, we know all things are going to work together. That's why they're working out. It's going to work. It's going to work out. And then the last slide. Resurrection, and this is where it ends. Obviously, this is part of the story. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how does some among you say there's no resurrection? Do you remember the group that did not believe in the resurrection? The Sadducees, and you, everybody heard, that's the reason they were sad, you see. You, most of you guys, if you don't know that, you heard it today. For the first time, they were sad. They didn't believe. There's no resurrection of the dead. Then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. It's foolish. Nonsense. And your faith is also nonsense. Empty. Yes, and we are all found false witnesses of God. But now, in Christ is what? He's risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead. This is not a make-believe story. This is not some accident. This is not something we were taught in Sunday school. This is reality. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. This is way better than we've ever, been th we've ever thought. And we're going to see him finish the work that he started in us. Now, I believe... I heard maybe there might have been somebody start the fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral. I don't know. I've learned enough to know I don't believe anything they tell me in the news. I don't, I don't care. Whatever they tell me, I'm just going to say, well, it, so much for that. You know, it may or may not be true. And probably most of the time today, it's not true. But I know what I believe. I know what God said. And I know it's what he said is true. His word is going to endure forever. But I don't know if that fire was started on purpose or what. But I know out of the midst of it, the cross persevered and endured. And that cross is what God wants us to focus on. But not just the cross. There's his cross, the cross that we're to carry if we're going to follow him. Jesus said, no man comes after me unless he denies himself, takes up his cross, how often? Daily and follows me. You have to. That's the only way. It's discipleship. But I know that that cross will endure. There's the cross and the resurrection. And he that died has been raised from the dead. And that message is going to endure. Not only his cross, but our cross. But there's the resurrection. And that's what we got to put our hope in and our faith in. And there it is. The empty tomb. The empty tomb. I know every year we have this day. And I, but I'm telling you, there's something special about this one. Something fresh, something new. 
He wants to infuse something in you. That this is not just some story. This is real. He has been raised from the dead. If he's been raised from the dead, I don't care what happens out there. I can overcome. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And Lord, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you for all these biblical words that we looked at. And Lord, I, I pray that it all made sense. And I know it does. We've heard these things. But God, I pray it would make new sense. There would be a fresh revelation of what Jesus did, the propitiation, the reconciliation, sanctification, all of these things, glorification. God, we thank you. We've been reconciled. And God, we've been made new. We've been given a good new chance, new life in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, God. I thank you for the hope that we have. God, there's some people they are visiting. They're just passed through. God, I'm asking you to touch them this morning. I'm asking for a fresh revelation of the Son of God. And I'm asking God that you do things right now that are absolutely improbable and impossible in their own understanding. I want to, let's just stand. How many of you, just stand, everybody. How many of you need God to do something this morning? Just raise your hand. You need God to do something major in your life. I'm going to believe He's going to do it here. Why? Because He said... You preach the word, and I'll bear witness with the word with signs following. He confirms the word. And so I believe with all my heart. So, Lord, I pray right now. Lord, I pray for miracles in this place. God, there's some people that are desperate. Others that are, we don't know how desperate we are. But we're desperate for you. And we thank you that you are in the midst of your church in this hour that the living God the one who was raised from the dead triumphant over death, hell and the grave lives in the midst of the people that he's called to himself and Lord I thank you and I pray right now God for the touch of heaven touch, touch Jesus, touch Jesus I want to take a little authority. I want to break right now in the name of Jesus every demonic stronghold. I break every assignment. I break off every curse, word curse. I break off every chain, every deception, every assignment of darkness right now in the name of Jesus. Every sickness, every spirit of infirmity. We cancel the assignment of hell now in Jesus' name. We take the authority. You said, Lord, you've given us authority to tread upon all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm us. So we break every lie. Every lie. There's some people bound by something that's been spoken and you've been... It's just... It's like it it won't go away. It's leading you one way. And the Lord said, this day you're going to reverse course. Because God says, I've given you a different way. And I'm going to break the old way and the power in the name of Jesus. So we break it now. We break it off. That mindset, whatever that track was that you're on. Some of you are bound by addictions. I'm telling you, there's a God that breaks addictions. He's the one that came to set captives free. So, Lord, right now we break this addiction off. Now we cancel it. We thank you for the power of the resurrection. The power of Jesus. Hallelujah. There are others that have been stuck. They feel like they've been on a treadmill. Today, this is what I see. You're going to get off the treadmill, but you're still going to run the course. In fact, you're going to be surprised. The treadmill was like... Your crutch, 
you thought whatever it was, God will define it, the Holy Spirit. But I see people, they're on a treadmill and they're getting off and they're still running as fast as, they're even running faster than they were on the treadmill. So Lord, we pray right now for just transformation, reformation, healing, deliverance. This is what I see in my mind, that we actually, some of us are pulling some of the people off the treadmill. It's like they, they're not sure if they can do it or not. So we're pulling them off by faith right now. Pull them off. And they're going to find that God is with them. God is with them. His word is real. He's faithful. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you. How many of you have a lost loved one? Somebody, a son or a daughter, somebody's lost. Let's call them in right now. What did that scripture? Let the redeemed of the Lord from the north, south, east. So, Lord, we call to the north. We call to the south. We call to the east. We call to the west. And we call out those sons and daughters, relatives, friends, family. Right now, we call them out of the world, out of the Babylonian system. God, thank you. You're opening our eyes to see this Babylonian system. And I thank you, God. We're not going to live in it. We're going to be in the world, but not of the world. And this is the greatest time to be a Christian ever. Thank you. You chose us to live in this generation, God. God, thank you. So, Lord, we pull out our loved ones out of the Babylonian system, and we pray, Jesus, make yourself known. Deliver them. We call them the redeemed of the Lord, and that they will say so themselves in the days to come. Hallelujah. So, Lord, encourage people. Anybody discouraged you walked out of here, this would be total terrible. I break off all discouragement in Jesus' name. Break it off. Loneliness. We're not alone. If, you, if God is with you, it doesn't even matter who's against you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Okay, so, Lord, just do that, and, and I don't want to miss anything. Anything else? Jesus, Jesus. 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 I don't know. I, I think this is it. But this is really it. This is it. Now, you don't want to miss this. You don't want to lose this. That's what I'm to pray. Just like Jesus said, every time the seed is sown, the devil, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, all these things come to steal the seed. Don't they? Remember that parable. It says, if you don't understand that parable, don't even worry about the rest. Don't even have Jack Taylor. He's Mr. Kingdom. Don't even have him come because if you don't remember that one, it won't work. So, Lord, we pray that what we've heard today and what's happened in our spirit, most of all, the work of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, we rebuke the devourer and the birds of the air and we break off the powers of darkness that would steal the seed, we declare and prophesy a great harvest will come out of what has been sown this morning in the hearts of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Those watching by the web stream, nations. God, I thank you. We don't know how it happens, but from Moravian Falls, the word goes to many nations. Lord, we pray the word of the Lord go forth, and a great harvest of souls will come out of it. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and bless the lunch downstairs and the lunch others will have wherever they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.